Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man on the Post podcast. Uh, my name's Chris, and with me as ever, I've got Mark. Hello. I've got Joe. Hello. Uh, we have a special guest this week in my hour of need as a Liverpool fan. I have my faithful Evertonian, so who else than to have a Manchester United fan to also ease me through this week of pain? Uh, I've got Paul from the Manchester United Rantcast. How are you doing, Paul? I'm really good. Thank you very much for having me on. It's an honour to be invited. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for, uh, for being here. And hopefully we should have Emma as well. Hi. Hello. How are you doing, Emma? Right? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good, thanks. All good, thank you. Right, so we're going to talk in this week's Premier League action, uh, a little bit of news from the continents, a little bit of playoffs, and some Premier League predictions. The, um, it's the final week of predictions and things are, uh, are hotting up. Uh, so chronologically, we'll start. I suppose we have to start. Um, Crystal Palace three, <laughs> Liverpool three. <laughs> this was not the week to be sat between two Chelsea fans at work. <laughs> so Crystal Palace three, Liverpool three. Liverpool three nil up with eleven minutes left. I'm trying to be really professional and not just burst out laughing at this point. You keep trying. <laughs> um, so, okay, I was watching this, I was watching BT Sport, I was just saying to the guys, I was watching BT Sport and Juventus were popping a champagne and everyone's looking very happy over there and in the bottom corner of the screen it said Palace 1, Liverpool 3, Palace 2, Liverpool 3 and all of a sudden the worst happened. Um, obviously the title bid is over, unless anything bad or anything great can happen on Sunday, but did Palace play well or did Liverpool stuff this up or was it a, a bit of both? Who saw this one? Yeah, I, I watched this one. Um, personally, I think I think Liverpool completely messed it up. I mean, I mean, the first thing that they needed to do was make sure the three points were secure. Um, but they sent more more obsessed with how many goals they could get rather than than uh, tying up the game. Well, they needed to be done. It's the goal difference. Well, they did need the goal difference, but I mean, Palace were throwing attacking players on. As substitutes. I mean, Dwight Gale came on, Glenn Murray came on. They combined, obviously, for one of the goals. Um, and, and and Liverpool just seemed to pay no regard to the fact that Palace, even even at three two, they didn't have any regard that Palace were getting back into the game. They didn't think we'll sit tight for a couple of minutes and then try and attack and maybe get another goal at the end. They sort of just just carried on how they were. I think it were a little bit naive. I thought that was that was the key. I think at three nil. They were they were right not to try and shut up shop and to try and narrow that goal difference because this all goes back essentially to Steven Gerrard not at all hilariously falling over. Um, and the the thing about that game is it was the three two was the key point in that game. That was the point where they just had to button down the hatches and lock Crystal Palace out and just desperately try and get those three points because at that point the three points are infinitely more valuable than any potential goal difference boost. Well, of course, you would know all about goal difference deciding a, a championship, wouldn't you, Paul? 
Yes, yes, I would indeed. That's my only dig I can afford to get in tonight. No, I think, I think to be honest, as a Manchester United fan, that there's there is no no one's in any position to be <laughs> dishing out digs this season, really. I, I've not been able to bring myself to actually watch any of this at all, unfortunately. I just, um, I just can't bear to. So I'm going to bow down to all your people's sort of better wisdom with regards to this. Uh, did, did you all enjoy Suarez crying? Yeah. That's a collective yes. No, no one knows if he was crying or not. He could have been. He could have been like laughing behind that shirt, thinking of the money he's going to be making on his move to Real Madrid. Or he could what have was... been laughing manically at the desperation of it all. Yeah. What, what was way What was way better than Suarez crying was Stephen Gerrard pushing the camera out of his face. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm sorry, Stevie. Given your relationship with cameras and your sort of very physical relationship with cameras, and in a positive sense, that there's no time to be pushing cameras away. <laughs> I don't have children, Chris, but I think the 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 joy and the 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 sheer fantasticness of Suarez's little breakdown there won't even rival. Will we'll, I'll never have children? Oh, well, I don't have children. I'll never have children like myself. Obviously, my wife can have them. Um, I don't think my firstborn child is going to give me as much joy as that Suarez <laughs> moment. That's cruel, isn't it? Some poor man is. It is lowest ever. He needs support of his teammates, and all you can do is mock him. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a moment. No, but listen, you said you, you said yeah, you didn't say you said you didn't see the game, Chris. But um, as as was pointed out in a lot of the post-match analysis, if you'd seen the Norwich game and the way that they nearly threw it away late on in that one, then you don't need to see the Crystal Palace game. Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened in the in in that one. And you can kind of say the same for the City game as well, couldn't you? Mm. Well, how, how many times have I? Well, I, we've talked, discussed it on here over the last six to eight weeks that Liverpool certainly reminded me of Keegan's Newcastle, and you said, "Yeah, but they keep winning." Well, you can't keep winning if you keep letting in two or three goals a game, and eventually that was going to catch up with them. And you know, the wrong team to meet at that time was Tony Pulis, Crystal Palace, last home game of the season for them, although they had nothing to play for. You know, yeah. So. Bad luck. You had enough good luck during the season, just ran out. No, I don't buy that luck thing for Liverpool. No? No, I don't think. I mean, a lot have been made of Liverpool having a lot of luck over the season. I don't buy into that. I mean, Liverpool should have had a penalty at Stamford Bridge earlier on in the season and, you know, other such bits and bobs as well. I think these things tend to even themselves out. I think Liverpool have shot themselves in the foot with certain things, like not being able to beat 10-man Newcastle and, and things like that. City deserve it, to be fair. I think um, all the longitudinal studies indicate that things don't even themselves out for about ten seasons, uh, and that it's kind of a kind of a myth that they even themselves out within the course of a season. So we're wrong, we? I, I don't think Liverpool's uh, success this season should be written off as luck, though. I I think they've Rogers has done an absolutely phenomenal job, and keeping Suarez was. And absolutely, it was a complete coup uh, in the context of contemporary football. And uh, you know, I'm obviously not a fan of Luis Suarez, um, but but what Liverpool have achieved through keeping him, through bringing on Sterling, it's it's a heck of a feat. And it's it's one of those things where it's only the timing of the results that makes this feel like a failure. This is a phenomenally successful season from Liverpool, and you know they needed to win. I think it was that they needed to win something like 14 to 16 games on the bounce to give themselves a chance of winning the league. And that is always incredibly unlikely to happen. So I think, you know, when in the cold light of day, it's been, it's been a heck of a season and it's just a bonus that like 
for for those of us who don't support Liverpool, there's a sort of hilarious component to the end of it. Oh, good! I'm glad we could provide so much entertainment for you. <laughs> did you watch this, Emma? Yeah, I did. I um was on my way back from a the playoff final in the Skrill sub no the playoff into the Skrill Southern League. So I'd had a bit of a mixture of football that day, who, and I have to who, say it was just as entertaining to watch. Who did you see there then? Uh, we went to Chesham United v St Albans City. God, you like John Peel of football, aren't you? Yeah, well, we were, I was trying to get over my heartbreak from Saturday, so I thought I would go and um, watch someone get promoted. That made me feel a bit better. Oh, good. Chris, Chris, you're not on the ledge there, are you? You want to chuck yourself out the window and the police <laughs> are trying to stop you. That's it, the cliff near me. It's going to have one more person in it. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Tuesday then. Um... Manchester United 3, Hull City 1. Some young boy killed Wilson. I'm sure all the jokes have been made already. Uh, score 2, Robin Van Persie, um, Matty Fryth as well. So I suppose we'll go with you, Paul, seeing as you're the um, Manchester United fan. Does this feel you full of hope for next season or have you still got a long way to go? Well, both, really. Um, it was legitimately one of the best things I've ever experienced as a United fan, which seems a crazy thing to say given all the trophies and that, but the, the first of all, it should have just been called the Ryan Giggs testimonial, that game. Like there's, an, there's an ex-captain who's managing the other team. Uh, Giggs brings himself on halfway through. You've got a kid scoring goals. Just needed Clayton Blackmore to steal a joke from uh, from Twitter's Johnny Gabriel, um, and it would have been the perfect testimonial. But seeing Wilson come on and get a couple of goals like that was really magnificent, and, and an Another absolutely outstanding performance from Adnan Yanazai, who is a player that I can't and won't stop raving about because uh, he's stunning. And and then at the end, we had all the kind of really emotional stuff with Nemanja Vidic leaving and Giggs giving a speech on the pitch, and he stopped to let the Stretford end serenade Vidic. And it was really, you know, it was really emotional and heartwarming. And then after all that, you've got Robbie Van Persie, who is just giddy as a schoolboy because David Moyes has gone. <laughs> and it's like grilling from ear to ear, jumping around, singing the Manjavidic's song. Then he gives this interview uh, to Jeff Shrees where he goes, you know, we'll be back next season. You could save this tape. You could save this tape. And uh, at the end of that, I was kind of fist pumping and cheering Louis Van Gaal's name and thinking, yeah, next season we're going to win it again. Well, you wait till you're in fifth and he gets his knob out. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that, I have to say. <laughs> what prompted uh, Giggs to pick these two lads then? It's just, you know, he's got two games left, so sod it, or have they been on the scene for a while? No, Wilson is uh, has been an absolute phenomenon in America. In fact, they would call him a phenom this season. He's scored at under-18s, under-19s, under-21s, and now senior level. First player ever to do that um, for United in, in the course of a season. Um, and Lawrence, Lawrence has been around for a while there's a good chance he's probably not going to make it. You know, if I was a betting man, I would bet on him not sticking around at United. But he had a really good loan spell at Yeovil. Um, and so he kind of definitely deserved his run in the first team. Um, but but Wilson, I think, is is genuinely one. Especially if Hernandez leaves, I would imagine then Wilson will be fourth choice centre-forward next season. OK. Um, Ryan Giggs, obviously, this comes to the end of his career and he's you know he's got the dream job and he's getting all the plaudits. But... Is he not a man to be? Uh, is he is he not an incredibly Machiavellian man? He's quite happy to do what he did to his own family, as we've all seen, and you know, shaft them quite literally. He's 
quite happy to stab his line manager in the back and make sure he goes. Would Van Gaal not be doing just as well just to get completely rid of him? Or is he... Otherwise, he's just watching his own back the whole time, isn't he? Um, well, I mean, I, I think the the personal life thing is a huge issue and it's incredibly sad. Um, and I would much prefer my sporting heroes didn't turn out to be incredibly terrible people. <laughs> um, but the, the Machiavellian side of it, the kind of politics of it, I think that he could definitely sleep at night on the basis that he was doing the club a favour, um, which he very clearly was. Um because getting out Moyes out before the end of the season, apart from maybe signing Juan Mata, is like the highlight of this season for me. But if, if you're Louis van Gaal and you, you, um, you're new into the club and you've got this institution that's been there for 23 years, who's obviously got an enormous amount of influence and not too many qualms, should you be really wanting him with you? Or is it a case to keep your friends close and your enemies closer? Well, I'll just say one thing, and so as not to hog the conversation, but I think that Ryan Giggs will recognise winners and Louis van Gaal will recognise winners. And actually, it wasn't that Moyes was an outsider that was the problem. It's that he does not have uh, winning in his bones in the way that Giggs has and the way that the people that have been successful at United have. Adnan, through the middle and score. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> OK. Uh, and you guys, what do you think the future for, um, for United, the other three? Well, I was at the... Uh... The Sunderland match, um, where Manchester United got beaten one nil, um, and Giggs played um, Nanny and Young on the wings and left Welbeck and Yanaze on the bench, and I found that kind of strange because I thought if he were put, still at that point, obviously Van Hall was in the background, but I don't think it was as concrete as maybe what it is now. Um, if Giggs was still pushing himself for the job, I would have thought he would have maybe looked to the future a little bit more. So in terms of them bringing the youngsters in for the next game, I can see why he did that. Um, but into also Paul, into also a tradition on the last game at Old Trafford of every season to play a few youngsters. I've read I mean, it, it, it's a tradition, but like it's one of them things that's a tradition because we've normally won the league by then. Not to right, kind yeah. of be you know all, all Johnny right, big time about yeah, <laughs> but that's just kind of the reality of it. Um, and I think that that the Sunderland game did worry me slightly, but the whole game, the lineup for the whole game, really made sense of it, and the club have been absolutely adamant all along that Ryan Giggs was getting nowhere near the top job um, and so I think he literally just wanted to give everyone in the squad a game as best he could so what, yeah I just, I just I just found it strange when I read that game and I saw the lineup I thought I thought they'd be looking more to the future and trying to forget the past and I think players like Nanny and Young represent the past maybe two or three years when it's been in decline uh, they kind of epitomise that 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 generation of Manchester United players. So I just found it a little bit strange how we uh, how we opted for them over I think, the youngsters. I think, I think the flip side of that is that he can then make an extremely good argument to the incoming administration that those players don't need to be looked at again and can just be got rid of because you can just show tape of those two games and say look what we look like with the kind of so-called old guard in there and look what we look like with some fresh talent and it's it's night and day. Um, life obviously goes in cycles and so do football clubs. You had Liverpool dominating for 20 years, Real Madrid of the 50s dominated the European Cup. Is it not just natural that United's 20-year dominance has to come to an end at some point? Or with more money around these days, that that sort of thing can be prolonged? Have you, is this just a blip out of the Champions League and you, you're going to ride it all okay or is it the start of a decline? I mean, I, I think that both of those things are possible. I do think the financial realities have changed enormously um, 
and United's kind of global cachet and muscle is potentially never been stronger but I think another season out of the Champions League then we start to to say actually this is probably going to be a systemic decline but you bring in Louis van Gaal and they spend anything like the kind of money they're talking about spending I think that's pretty unlikely and we could see another cycle of success but if we don't it's not the end of the world we've had it pretty pretty good haven't we yeah that's kind of refreshing (laughs) you should be on 606 or something with the people that ring up there um Sunderland 2, West Brom 0. That was also a game played yesterday. Um, Sunderland, I should imagine, are pretty much safe now, aren't they? Norwich needs some kind of Herculean effort just to avoid relegation on goal difference. Is this because of Gus Poirier, do you think, guys? Or do you think this is in spite of him? Well, there was a spell, wasn't <clears throat> Excuse me. There was a spell after the League Cup final where we, we debated it quite a few times on here why he, was, why he wasn't picking his obvious best and most informed players. For example... Uh, Key and Barini and uh, Johnson he left out for quite a few games when actually he'd been one of their better players but then all of a sudden it's clicked again the way it had done before they were playing in that played in that League Cup final so whether it's because of him or in spite of him it's hard to tell because it's been like such a big improvement after such a low ebb four or five games ago when they were looked certs for relegation and then four or five games before that, they were on a high again. So who knows what's how he's managed to, to turn them around so quickly. I know Connor Wickham's come in and done really well for them, um, nicking a few goals in the last four or five games. But I think the, the main, the main um, improvement that's been, come about in the last four or five games, they've somehow finally managed to be tightened up at the back. Mm. And that's what's made the difference, you know. How that's come about, it's hard to say, because I don't think he's particularly changed or fiddled around with the back four too much. And Lee Catamore continues to be a Premier League footballer. (laughs) Indeed. Somehow. If he can make it, surely we all can. (laughs) Uh, And last night, probably the final nail in Liverpool's coffin, unless Agent Carroll can do something on Sunday. Um, Manchester City 4, Aston Villa nil. So... Jacko announced in the Bosnian squad this week he scored two, uh, and then Jovetovic and and Yaya Torre with fantastic goal. Anybody see this? Yeah, yeah. that was what. That's like um, the Lucas Moura effort that nearly went in earlier on the season. Everyone remember that when he sort of powered through from his own 18-yard box and had, the shot was just cleared off the line rather than went in. But this one, this one finally made it, didn't it? He just looked like he decided he was going to score because it seemed like it would be a fun thing to do. It was his Tony Adams in 98 moment. That's tumbleweed there, bloody hell. <laughs> Does anybody remember this? You should remember this one, Mark. It was against your team. Hutchison. Now Bold. And it's Tony Adams put through by Steve Bold. Would you believe it? That's why I'm staying quiet. I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Maybe he would have given him more credit if he wasn't African. Well, that's that's the thing, as Paul was saying there. Or you know, it's it, whenever Yaya Toure decides he wants to do something like score a screamer or waltz his way through somebody else's defence, he does it, and he tends to do it a lot towards the last 15 minutes of games when space opens up. You see him come alive in 20 minutes of games and and being the decisive factor. And that was a similar thing last night. There was a lot of huff and puffing by Manchester City up to that point. Um, 
and it you know there was a t- there was a bit there it was getting a bit hairy that they weren't going to break him down i thought um going into the last 25 minutes but then that's when that's when you the 20 million pound or 25 million pound you fork out for each one of these players begins to pay you back doesn't it yeah no i think sorry no go on jay sorry I thought watching the game, it were it were out. I, I was thinking the same as Mark, sort of that they're struggling to break them down, and and I didn't think they were gonna for a while. Um, and the main problem for that, I thought, was the lack of pace they had in the team. Um, I mean, we Aguero and Navas out, they seemed to really, really struggle because um, they had to maybe go a little bit more through the middle instead of instead of balls behind and stuff like that. Um, but I think I think then they had to find a plan B, and as we've seen maybe with other teams this season in the race for the title, um, they've struggled to find a plan B. Uh, whereas Man City had a plan B, and it was called Yoya Torre. That that has been their plan B, I think, a lot of the time through the season, and it's very very evident that come the last twenty minutes of games, he, he's no longer sitting next to Fernandinho in the centre or Javi Garcia in the middle of midfield. You see him play twenty yards further forward, virtually off off Jekko or Aguero or whoever and you it's it's like you can almost time it perfectly to 20 minutes to go in every game they play that's Manchester City's plan B and cuz he's such an excellent player it always tends to work every single time well did you see how he how he uh, assisted one of the goals as well in the area when he went one way went the other way went the other way and carried on going backwards and forwards without barely moving the ball yeah i just i just thought that highlight that 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 highlights what Yoyo Torre is in a way because he he saw a it didn't panic for one. A lot of players would just stuck their th- foot through it and hope it took a deflection or something like that. Um, so he didn't panic. He, he had the eye to set up someone else who was in a better position than him, and then and then also he scored the goal. So I think I think I think overall in that in them four goals, it was really him deciding to step it up a few gears that that's, that's ultimately won them the title. And I think you could say that throughout the season, like Mark says. I, I think it's kind of a bit ridiculous that Torre isn't player of the season, really. Yeah, um, Suarez is like fine, if you like that sort of thing. Um, what, goals? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, Suarez is obviously a, an excellent player who has had uh, an excellent season. But I think Torre, Torre is the sort of beating heart of that Manchester City team. Um, and it's they're going to be the, the team that wins it. And I think... I think Many, many football fans, if you ask them, certainly most United fans, if you ask them what, what Premier League footballer they most wish was at United, uh, an awful lot of them would say Aya Toure. What's interesting is that he didn't even get second in that list in the PFA. It, Gerard came second. I wouldn't have gone for Gerard. I'd Sturridge and Suarez, I think, fair calls. I think Toure should have been in there instead of Gerard. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think that, that it's all very well for people to dismiss what he said about African footballers not getting the credit they deserve, but I... I think actually he probably had a extremely salient point at that time. Two hundred thousand pounds a week might suggest he is quite recognised. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's that. That's the thing, though. It's the the difference between um, the on the pitch realities, which which have black players at parity with white players, um, versus the cultural. Uh, disparity which comes in the kind of wider community in the coverage in the relationship with fans all that kind of stuff but anyway not to get on a big left wing <laughs> rant because that's what not what you've got me here you get, people can listen to our podcast if they want that people don't come here for a lecture on communism <laughs> exactly Paul I, quick question if I can yeah so you've got Yoyo Torre on £200,000 a week at Man City and you've got Wayne Rooney on £300,000 a week at Manchester United 
which one would you rather have in your squad? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's Torre every day. And, and you know, we talked about Moyes. And, and Mark, I know you're an Everton fan. I don't know how you feel about, about Moyes. Um, but for me, the, the worst thing he's done for our club is tie Rooney into the heart of it. Uh, in that financial sense, because there is absolutely no way that Rooney warrants being on that kind of money. It's 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 completely ridiculous, and and it, it does come down to the fact that Moyes seem to really put Rooney on a pedestal. See, that's quite refreshing to hear because most most fans of clubs obviously stick behind the players and they sort of agree with the majority of decisions that take place. And sort of as Rooney is on that pedestal and seen as the star of the team, tend to back them stars. Yeah, uh, but it's, I, it's quite I, good to hear the other side because I, I think the same as well. I think no way is three hundred. I, 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 I don't know any. Sorry, I, I don't know anything about the the. I'm not really up on the relationship between Moyes and Rooney at United over the last year while they've been together. Obviously, there was a bit of an acrimonious end to when he left Everton, um, and I didn't know that whether they were really pally or whatever. But I don't think the Rooney three hundred thousand pound a week contract is necessarily. Um, all football related i think there's a there would have been a big um force from higher up in the club that that's a commercial decision not necessarily 100 percent footballing decision to give him that contract and to keep him at united because regardless of what he's going to take out of the club in the, in the the length of that contract he he and the the publicity and all those commercial deals that he is heavily involved with indirectly by his image and everything else and association that will make Manchester United more money back than the £300,000 a week that he'll be paying so I think commercial aspects have ruled that decision not David Moyes solely I I think that's Sorry, sorry. I, I think that's a, a really interesting point. And it's, first of all, just to, to address a couple of things in a row. Uh, first of all, you won't have to look far, Joe, to find Man United fans prepared to have a pop at Rooney because trying to move to City, being 24 hours away from moving to City in 2010, then acting all massively contrite about that and saying it was the worst mistake of his career and then handing in another transfer request has pretty savagely soured a lot of United fans' relationship with Rooney. Um, and then in terms of Moyes' Moise's dynamic with Rooney, there is not a post-match interview uh, that he didn't mention him and didn't single him out for praise. Uh, there was a joke on Twitter. When you, I don't know if you remember, Juan Mata scored a brilliant free kick a few weeks ago. Yes, and there was a yeah, it was just stunning. And on Twitter, one of one of my friends joked, um, "Moise is going to give Rooney the credit for that because that's how insane Moise's mentioning of Rooney got." And he did. <laughs> he said Wayne and Juan practice that every day. He just he had real bad Rooneyitis. Couldn't stop talking about him. Do you think and that case maybe almost trying to like suck up to him though a little bit? Like obviously Wayne Rooney's well documented temperament of getting the strop on a lot and stuff like that. Do you think it will maybe try? And to almost like sweeten it too much so that because he didn't need the publicity crisis of Rooney saying I'm leaving or I don't like the manager or whatever else. He sort of almost had to have him on his side. Absolutely. And it was a real bad mistake because um, people cited him as having improved Rooney, but he ruined the rest of them by doing it. And actually, loads of people have said like, oh, yeah, but where would you be this season without Rooney, who has scored a goal every other game and uh, more assists than goals? So he's, he's made a kind of numerical contribution. But I think United would have been much in a much stronger position now if they'd sold Rooney to Chelsea in the summer because they could have rebuilt in a more in a more sort of wholehearted way. Um 
I, I think, yeah, it was it was a, an act of desperation. And, and actually, in terms of the commercial side, um, the, the thing about United is they can elevate players to that level really, really quickly. Like there was a lot of talk when David Beckham was sold of the commercial impact because he was obviously the world's most marketable player. But United will just make another world's most marketable player. Like Shinji Kagawa is commercially as important as Rooney in some parts of the world. Hernandez in other parts of the world. You know, there's a, a really... United are very good at making people into those global brands. You just put Robin Van Persie on all the posters that would have had Rooney on them otherwise. <laughs> just Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all it takes. These um, similar kinds of figures do you get down at Portsmouth and Bristol Rovers, Emma? We're all about the image. That's what all our player decisions are based on. <laughs> Not begging someone to come and play for us. It's who wants to. Your manager got sacked, didn't he? Bristol Rovers' manager got sacked today. Is that right? He uh, he's not. He was the manager. He got moved to the director of football three or four weeks ago, and um, just reading about it, they sort of said basically with the with the money and things, they just can't afford to have a have a um, director of football anymore, which makes sense. And also, he he was the manager at the start of the season when they needed to bring in a goal scorer, and he didn't. He didn't find anyone, or he didn't manage to tie anyone down. He could have got Rooney. Oh wow. Yeah, three three hundred k a week. That that does sound a little bit within budget for Rovers. I think they have a bit spare. Fair enough. Uh, Arsene Wenger <laughs> was uh, very nice. He congratulated Manchester City, which was very good of them, as he didn't have to. Um, he said they won a marathon and they turned up in the last hundred yards, but they turned up in the end when it mattered. So I think that's is that damning with frank praise. I'm not sure. Um, other news across the continent: Real Madrid drew one one with Valladolid to help to dent their hopes of La Liga um, Valladolid equalised I think in the last five minutes or so so that's quite a quite a shock and I think that puts Atletico back in the driving seat doesn't it for um, for the last couple of games of the season yeah um, I'm sorry to any people I might have offended with my mispronunciation of Valladolid there uh, PSG won Ligue 1 despite losing 2-1 to Rennes so um, they're not really a massive surprise. I think I don't really think that's the biggest fish they're going to fry, is it? It's uh, the Champions League where they've got to make some progress. Um, and also, French League... It, I was going to say League 2, but it's League 2, I suppose. Uh, side Clermont Foot have named a female boss, uh, Helena Costa, as their manager, which was um, quite a significant and uh, good step to see. She's previously coached the Iranian and Qatari women's football team, and she was... a scout with Celtic and she's coached the Benfica men's youth team so hopefully uh, Helena Costa she can make some strides there which is good to see playoffs Brighton versus Derby I think it's the game going on tonight and then it's Wigan QPR tomorrow for uh, in the championship how do you guys see that one going both of those going well, as we speak at uh, in the evening on the Thursday Derby are beating Brighton and I think Derby will come through that in the end uh, and I suspect QPR over two legs will see to Wigan. I sincerely hope so. I'm one of those odd people that support two teams, QPR and Liverpool are my team. So I, I just think Wigan, who were flying up to the point of the FA Cup fi- uh, semi-final, from what I've been watching on the results, it seems like they've run out of steam a little bit. Yeah. You know, if, the, if, you'd, asked that, if you'd asked me to pick a winner out of those two four weeks ago, I would have gone for Wigan straight away, but... I just think maybe they've they've you know run their race, and maybe QPR are just starting to pick themselves up after a bit of a iffy spell as well. Yeah, well, we've got Charlie Austin back as well, so hopefully that makes some um, some difference. 
did I did I read somewhere to the, uh, this week that QPR have got a higher wage bill than Atletico Madrid? And Borussia yeah. Dortmund. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 to me is absolutely ridiculous. Why they aren't like fifty points clear at the top of the league, I have no idea. Harry, mind you, it's probably because they've got players like Yossi Ben Ayoun. But <laughs> apart from that, yeah, it's, it's that is absolutely unbelievable. When there's when there's so many teams, even at Championship level, struggling to to sign loan players to cover injuries and things like that, and then QPR have got they've got this wage budget that's higher than it than the Champions League finalists. But I'm not sure when, whether that includes players out on loan. So you've got Julio Cesar, you've got Granero and Bayer, Park Ji Sung, of course. Um, him, I don't know whether it includes all those players or not. So not all the those players is, are playing and all will be there next season. Harry's the manager, so if they are all out on loan, QPR will still be paying their full wages anyway. Yeah. Uh, these playoffs are really difficult for me because there's Manchester United low knees in I think three out of the four teams so it's like watching your kids in opposite teams you know <laughs> don't know who to support really um, I, I think this just comes down to who you most want the away trip and like for most United fans that'd definitely be Wigan but I feel like Brighton would be a really fun place to go for an away trip so well, you've not been there I suppose have you for some considerable time so it could be a sort of nice weekend away yeah absolutely lovely lovely town yeah, there you go. You can cheer for, cheer for Brighton then. We move on to Premier League predictions. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, Paul or not, but anybody else that's not listened um, before. Basically, what we have here is myself, Emma and Mark. Uh, we go through the forthcoming Premier League's fixtures and we predict what we think will happen. So win, lose or draw and who you know who will win, who will lose. Um, and we get a point for each one we get right. So, so far, I'm lagging way behind with 75 correct predictions but uh we have emma on 81 correct predictions and mark on 84 correct predictions there's just three points between the the three of them uh, the two of them sorry that's probably where i'm going wrong um so if we crack on through these predictions so what we'll do we'll ask for your opinions i mean paul and joe feel free absolutely to chip in with your opinions as well uh, of what you think might happen maybe you can influence these two with their decisions <laughs> you never know. Uh, first of all, so all the games kick up at three o'clock this weekend, being the last game of the season. So this is the uh, the week that matters for you two guys. Cardiff versus Chelsea. Go on, I'll let you go first. It feels too easy, but you can't go against Chelsea here. Well, you can't just go for Cardiff, can you? You can't see them winning it. I think they've had their time in the sun and they are well and truly on holiday. I agree with Emma. Yeah, Chelsea for me. Okay, I'm going as well. Don't forget, Emma, you need the points. Uh, Fulham versus Crystal Palace um, go on Joan Paul what do you think might happen in this one see if you can influence these guys I'd be, ten- I'd, I'd be if I needed the points which someone might do um, I'd, I'd go for the draw ok I think that's a really good shout for points if you're if you want to go away from the the kind of inevitable but I would have to go for a Palace win because wow Fulham are truly truly abysmal on their day aren't they they truly are yeah what do you think, Emma? Are they swayed you in any way? I like the idea of a draw, I think, potentially, but Palace must be flying from Monday. Or knackered. So... Oh, yeah, no, I'll have to go with Palace. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I would say I would say Palace, I think. As as you were saying, that they're, they're flying probably from Monday night and Fulham, they, you know, they can't really be up for it I wouldn't have thought no 
I'm going to go Palace as well. Okay. So, um, Hall versus Everton. Paul and Joe, what do you think? I think that uh, Hull will put... I mean, Hull did not look at the races at all at United and given that they've got the FA Cup final to look forward to, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward for Martinez's chaps. Was there nobody there playing thinking they might sort of be trying to play themselves into the team on Tuesday? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. If they were, they did a pretty abysmal job of it. Really? Well, they've got they've got Stephen Quinn trying to force his way in, haven't they? So I can't see that happening. Um, so I'd definitely go for Everton as well. I think uh, I think Hull's second string won't be strong enough. Right, you're going to go for Everton. Okay, well, um, Mark, what do you think then? You're going to go for uh, Everton? Well, yeah, we had a week off last week, so um, players should be players should be fresh, and I think we will win this. Quite comfortably, actually. You're not going to lie down and get your belly rubbed like last Saturday? No. Nope. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know, you, I was thinking about this, because me and Emma did the Sunday pod on this week. Um, I thought the Everton, I mean, to be fair to Everton, they played very well, and I think the Everton fans, I think, got behind their team. If Ross Barkley hadn't scored such a screamer as the opening goal, if that goal had been sort of gone in off, Lukaku's ass or something like that from about two yards out. Do you think the atmosphere would have been a bit different? I don't understand what you mean. Like well, a Bar- goal would have been a goal. Well, but Barclay's goal was so good it gave everybody a big, you know, a big old lift, didn't it? All right, I see what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah maybe, maybe. But I think if we'd gone one nil up, you, you know, you still there still would have been the same, not exactly the same reaction, but I think people still would have been celebrating and so on. Yeah, but yeah, it was a, it was an amazing goal, wasn't it? It was very good, actually. It was like a, a young Wayne Rooney. Can we um, can we give you Fellaini back and have Barkley instead? Um, Fellaini plus what else have you got to offer, Rooney? <laughs> yeah, actually, I'd probably take that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, the 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 problem with Fellaini just before we move on to you know the other predictions is. I don't even before David Moyes' time there. He's not a Manchester United player. He doesn't fit into the way Manchester United have ever played. So it was just a crazy signing in the first place. What about Hernandez for Barkley? <laughs> no, 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 no that, chance. That'd be crazy. I mean, Hernandez is an effective goal poacher, but that really is all he is. Well, they're losing Lukaku at the end of the season. I don't think you'd want to lose Barkley to make up for that, though, would you? I mean, he's no, a st- stunning talent. Oh, fair enough. Uh, what say you, then, Emma, for this one? Hall Everton? I c- agree with what Mark was saying, and what everyone said, sorry, that Hull haven't looked the same team since they got into the FA Cup final, and now, like, sort of, that's it for them. I think their eyes will just be on the FA Cup. I don't think they will be too worried by this game. Mm. And I Everton possibly because it is their last performance of the season they want to go out on more of a high so I'll go for Everton you know you're agreeing with Mark the whole time at the moment you need the points I know but then I think this is what's oh. well don't worry second is like a trophy too <laughs> everyone remembers Buzz Aldrin don't worry <laughs> uh, everyone everyone remembers Liverpool oh stop don't do that <laughs> sorry <laughs> Chris Chris she's keeping herself in it and trying not to trip up at the last minute <laughs> Where's a mute button for you two? <laughs> Hell's bloody bells. Right. I'm going to go for Everton as well, which is it pains me. Actually, no, I'm going to go for a draw. Why not? I'm going to go be a bit different. 
Oh, good. Liverpool next. Liverpool, Newcastle. 6 0, Liverpool. Yeah, maybe even 8 0. Maybe even the 19 0 they need. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it'll make any difference at all. Well, Newcastle won last week. Mm, it was Cardiff, though. <laughs> and That's from the team worse. Yeah, from the reports I've heard, they, they, you know, it was uh, it was pretty shocking stuff. Yeah. So, player of the year, Luis Suarez again will prove why he is. And well, come, if you would have gone for Yaya Torre, would you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I I know this is an extremely hot button topic, um, and it did happen a little while ago. But the the racial abuse thing is a real a real problem for me when it comes to Suarez because it ever voted for him. It clouds, yeah, because you know he's the he's always going to be the bigger man, isn't he? Um, but you know it really does it really does give me a headache when I think about when I think about that um, in the context of him being honoured by the profession in that way. But also just in terms of uh, a single player who's made the biggest impact on the league season. Ultimately, that's going to turn out to be Toure, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, do, I agree what you're saying about Suarez. I think Liverpool should have got rid of him at the time because I think the club image is more important than the player. But he's not said sorry for the... For, I mean, I suppose... Is that, is that gory more than the incident itself, the fact that he's not said sorry? Uh, yeah, I mean, not more than the incident itself. The the incident itself is the, the, the most problematic thing because, yeah, but the, the, the lack of apology and, and also, like, I've never really actually been a big one for tribalism in football. It's, it's unusual, I know, but, like, jokes aside about Liverpool, I've never really cared that much about our rival clubs in the way that most people do. But um, the way Liverpool behaved in the, the fallout from the Suarez affair, I thought was really disgraceful. And um, that's that whole thing kind of really looms over that. And I guess that was the, the previous regime in many ways. And I think it was a very significant part of why the previous regime was unceremoniously kicked to the curb. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it's it's a big problem. Mm. No way, well, yeah, I can I can well understand. Okay, so Emre Mark, what do you think for Liverpool Newcastle then? Well, I already said I think Liverpool will absolutely stuff Newcastle, maybe six nil, something like that. Suarez will get quite a few on his farewell appearance for Anfield. Farewell for what, the summer? Well, this summer, next summer, the summer after that. Where's he going? He cried. Come on, the poor man cried. He loves the club. He laughed. He laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm not going to be with a shower next season. He's checking his pass. He's checking his passport. That was still in date. He had it in his. Tucked in his shorts. Do you think he's off to Real Madrid? Is that what you think? Well, we'll see. Uh, I I really, really reckon he's going to stay. Like, really seriously think. I think it's going to drag out all summer and then he's going to stay and he might go next season. I think he's already said he wants to stay. Yeah, what he says and does are two different things. That old old chestnut. Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Yeah, he signed a contract and said he's staying. I suppose the writing's on the wall, isn't it? Fair enough. Emma, what do you think for this one? You could think Liverpool as well, do you? Yeah, I can't stray from the path here. That no. points away. Well, my last two, famously, Paul, I don't, well, not famously, but um, I don't predict a Liverpool win. Uh, and my last two Liverpool predictions I've got right, sadly, so <laughs> I'm going to go for a Liverpool win this week because it's the last game of the season, so why not? Hooray. And if they lose again, it'll be my fault. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be Steven Gerrard's fault. Do you think? Yeah. Poor Stevie. I mean, he's got to look at that every day for the rest of his life, isn't he? 
I, I mean, genuinely, I almost feel sorry for him. That's how bad it is. Almost. Fair, fair play to him. I saw him interviewed on the telly the other day, and he made a joke about it. So, you know, good on him for that. Oh, yeah. Must be, I, must be I nice and bloody laugh about it on 100 grand a week. I feel a little bit sorry for him purely because he's had this career, which has been a fairly fairly good career. You know what I mean? Been at one club, captain, captain of his country, won the Champions League, all these things. But the one thing in 10 years that will be remembered for is slipping. Oh, he's got form for this. He did it in Euro 2004, where he gave the ball to Zidane, and then he did it to Henri as well, gave the ball to Thierry Henry and Drogba. He's... The, the Drogba one was when we needed Liverpool to beat Chelsea in order to stop them winning the league. <laughs> oh, so oof. there's a certain poetic justice to that. We'll forgive him that one then. <laughs> and the, the the thing is, we all thought he was going to do a Brian Robson because Brian Robson spent his entire career dragging United through the doldrums, winning the odd cup, winning, having some European success um, and then never winning the league. But he did win the league a couple of times uh, in his last two seasons at the club. But uh, So we all thought that, that was going to happen to Gerrard. But... It ain't. <laughs> yeah, seems not to be. Seems not to be. Man, Man City, West Ham. Can the miracle happen, guys? Interesting stat. Sam Allardyce has never lost on the last day of the season since 2004. Come on, Sam. He can do it. So there you go. There's a bit of solace for you to grab onto. Are you gonna let's take? You're gonna predict the West Ham win them? No, City four <laughs> 0 Ever? Oh. Go for the draw. Go for it. Yeah. Go for the... Not gonna be a draw though, is it? It really won't be the points. Beautiful. I thought the other day before the uh, before Man City played the other night that they needed to win because this could end up being a draw. So uh, if that helps you in any way, I, I, I honestly thought that this could be a draw. You ever think, I'm going to go Man City with, so I'm going to write MC <laughs> down while you have a little think. Don't let them bully you, Emma. <laughs> um, I just don't think, I think Man City are too, they're too good to just draw this game against West. Remember well, QPR a couple of years ago? I try not to remember anything about QPR, if I'm honest, Chris. Well, the, the, last game, <laughs> the last game of the season. No, it'll be Man City will win. Of course they will. Yeah, OK, we'll go for them then. OK, well, this is your friends next. This is... Sorry? <laughs> I said this is when they now lose, don't they? Wow. Well, we'll remember this. Um, Your friends, Emma. Uh, Norwich. Now, you're, you're at this game, aren't you, Joe? I, you. I am, yes. Sorry, Emma. <laughs> I told you me predicting against them every week would end up them getting relegated. Well, I hope you're happy with yourself. <laughs> See what you've done. <laughs> you can never set foot in Norfolk. Uh, you're sorry, you're at this game, aren't you, Joe? I certainly am. Yep. Yep. So, what do you think's gonna happen? Uh, I think that Norwich didn't put up any kind of fight against relegation, which makes me think they're not gonna put up any fight last game of the season. Um, I think that our Arsenal will probably play some sort of second string, given the fact they're in a final and they've not won the trophy for so long. But I think, tell the truth, Arsenal's under five. The team could beat Norwich. So I'd go Arsenal comfortable. OK. What do you think, guys? Exactly what Joe said. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal for me as well. And me. Emma? I'm not going to break habit of a season. No, go on then. OK, so we've got Southampton, Man United. Paul, what do you think? What's going to happen to this one? Um... It's kind of a, a interesting one. A, a lot of it depends on what sort of strength of side gigs puts out, I think. Um, and it is really incredibly hard to predict. This is the hardest 11 to predict um, of the season for United, probably. And Southampton have, have, have been excellent this season, I think it's fair to say, mm. given the, the level that people perhaps expected them to form, perform at. Um, they've got some very, very fine players, including some that United have been linked pretty heavily with. Um 
Uh, I think a draw. I think I predicted a, a comfortable United win on the podcast, but I basically do that every week. So I'll, I'll mix it up and go with a draw on this one to hedge me bets. Connor, I'm going to go for a draw as well. Then it's good enough for you. I'll go for a draw. What do you think, guys? I think this will be. This could be one of the best games to watch actually of mm. the weekend. Both teams might just go out and attack, attack, attack. So I can see it being a high-scoring draw. Okay, Emma. Five all again. Uh, no, I'm going to go for Man United. Are you? Okay, this is where Emma's predictions start to differ, is it? This is when the blue half starts coming out. Is it? Okay, well, Sunderland, <laughs> Sunderland Swansea. Hmm, tough one, eh? Both have had a decent run of form over the last few weeks mm. to pull themselves away from the from the uh, relegation zone. Um Maybe Sunderland will just pip this one. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. Even though, even though they're not, you know, even if Norwich, well, no, Sunderland are safe, aren't they? Yeah. So I think Sunderland might just win. I'm gonna guess Sunderland the, as well. So go on. The um the Sunderland, the way that Sunderland have pulled themselves out of the re- relegation mire and stayed safe, it's got to be one of the most extraordinary end of a season runs to stay up that's ever happened. I would have thought the fact that they beat Chelsea, they beat United, they drew with City. I mean, they were properly, properly written off and dead. And it's like it just came from out of absolutely nowhere. It's pretty, pretty remarkable, isn't it? Mm, nobody could see it coming, could they? Sorry, one. Yeah, there wasn't a prolonged, um, you know, set of fixtures that got them out. It's similar to when Fulham stayed up a few years ago, isn't it? When over the last seven games of the season or something, they won five of them or something like that to stay up. It's been a similar circumstance here, but the rest of the times anybody's managed to stay clear of the relegation from such a position, it's been over a more, uh, over a lengthier period, you know? So, yeah, it's just it's just weird how they've suddenly clicked at the right time. Mm. What do you think, Emma? I'm going to go for a draw. Go for a draw. Okay. Uh, Tottenham Aston Villa. We'll uh, rattle on through these last two a little bit quickly. Um, Tottenham Aston Villa. What do you think, guys? This is a bizarre one that that Sky are actually showing as one of their three games. The, this could not be one of the least. This could be the least appealing game of the weekend. Yeah, with I think not, you're right. With nothing, with nothing on it, I don't understand why they've chosen this one as a TV game. Um. Yeah, I'll go Spurs. Oh, there were points there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, from from a game theory perspective, I would definitely because Villa have been extremely weird all season. They could definitely yeah. pull something out of the hat. Yeah, this is goodbye, Tim, isn't it? <sighs> oh, I really don't want him to win on his last game. He annoys me. Does he? Oh, you you know he winds me up. He's played for Norwich as well, didn't he? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> right, so you said uh, Spurs, didn't you, Mark? Yeah. And what did you say, Emma? Sorry, you went. Oh, I yeah, no, I will stick with Spurs. Yeah. You don't like it? What do you What do you not like about him? Oh, he just winds me up. He's just got one of those faces. Does he? Slap. You know, he's out of the Spurs job and he's not on my TV. I will be a happy person. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. Okay, and last one, our last prediction of the season is West Brom Stoke. Just to let you know, Emma, you have to predict something different to Mark if you want to draw at least. I want to go for Stoke. You're going to go for Stoke, yeah? 
I'm going to say a draw. Oh, this is like I, I, I like I really I'm really into games, and that was just a horrendous game theory disaster there. Because Emma, you really needed to go second and yeah, just do something expected. different to what Mark did, and then Mark, you had an open <laughs> goal to lock it up. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a player in that respect. I'm going to go what I think. Um, right. I think going to happen. Very honourable. Yes. Mm-hmm. To a fault. Mark is Edwin van der Sar, and Emma is Nicholas Anelka. <laughs> Do you know what's a bit disappointing? We've had such an amazing season where everything's been topsy turvy and everybody's had something to play for throughout the season. You know, ten teams could have gone down, four teams could have won the champ, uh, won the championship. So many teams could have got in the Champions League and so on and so on. And we've come down to the last game of the season, and only the championship really is left up for grabs. And even that's going to maybe be an anti climax. Absolutely. I was thinking exactly that because it really has been one of the most remarkable seasons I can ever remember. And it is such a shame that it's all, it was all the penultimate games that sort of almost sorted everything out, didn't they? Yeah. Can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> Me neither, I have to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for uh, Stoke in this one, I think. Oh. Okay. And with that, I think that wraps up the uh, this week's podcast. Anybody, anything they want to mention or plug or say what they're up to or something like that? Uh, I'd just like to do a quick plug. If you yeah. um, are interested in Manchester United, uh, you can get our podcast. Just search iTunes for United Rant and you'll find the Rantcast. Um, and also, uh, if you go to... Um, if you search for Bristol FOFI, uh, there's something called the Festival of Football Ideas happening in Bristol in June, and I'll be hosting a panel about football writing there on uh, June the 7th. That's right, I'm coming to see you, hopefully. Oh, fantastic, very exciting. Yeah, so we had Laura on a couple of weeks ago, I think she's coming as well. She's Yeah, she's on the panel. She's on the panel as well. Um, yes, I can recommend that, your podcast actually is a Liverpool fan, it's quite a good listen, so it's, um, it's quite good. Anybody else got anything they want to mention? Um, just um, anybody who's listening who wants to keep an eye out for issue four of the Football Pink, the World Cup edition, that will be available in about two weeks' time. So keep an eye on the website, footballpink.net, for more information. Okay, Emma and uh, Joe, anything? No, I'm fairly boring. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, you boring too? No. Yeah. You're boring too. Okay, no problem. Well, all right. All that remains for me to say is um, thank you, everyone, for uh, for listening. Uh, thank you to Joe. Thank you very much. You're at Joe Cawthorn, aren't you, on Twitter? At Joseph Cawthorn. Joseph Cawthorn, sorry. Christian Sunday name. <laughs> uh, you're, uh, thank you to Emma. Thank you. You're at a website, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, and thank you to Mark. Thanks so very much. You're at the Football Pink. Yep, that's it. And thank you, uh, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on, actually. That was um, very kind of you. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And you're at UTD Rantcast, aren't you? That's right. Okay, so uh, that's where people can find you all, should they want to. So uh, don't forget the Sunday show. Uh, we'll be here, available for download, hopefully, on Monday. Uh, you can have the review of the weekend's action, and you can hear about Liverpool's magnificent comeback and victory on, on that. <laughs> um, hopefully, there's a... There's a 
surprise coming up on the show in a couple of weeks' time for the uh, for the hundredth edition of uh, the Man on the Post podcast. So keep your eyes peeled for that. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you leave us a five star review, Colin from the Sunday Show will send you a Man on the Post fridge magnet. So all that's left for me to say is say thank you for listening to Man on the Post Extra Time, uh, and always remember to keep your Man on the Post. <laughs>